0: This is the podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, welcome to Health Check. I'm Joyce Teo, a senior health correspondent from The Straits Times. The topic for this episode is suicide prevention. We have Dr. Jared Ng, a consultant with the Emergency Services at the Institute of Mental Health here with us today. Dr. Eng has seen his fair share of emergencies at the hospital and wants to tell us more about suicide prevention. Although the suicide rate in Singapore has gone down since the 1990s, about 400 persons still die by suicide each year. Some of us may think that suicide is always due to a mental illness. In truth, suicide is a complex behaviour that is often caused by a combination of factors. Let's hear from Dr. Eng on this. Hi Dr. Eng, welcome to the show. Tell us about the suicidal cases that you've been seeing at the emergency room and how do you usually help these patients? So when
1: we see patients with uh, suicidal thoughts, I think we do need to find out a little bit more about the thoughts and whether the risk of harm to self is really high. I think we want to see what is the underlying causes, whether they are laboring under a mental health problem, what is the life stressors that they are going through. It's most important that we do a safety plan with them. I think we want to find Mm -hmm. out who they can look to for help who are the sources of support, whether they are engaged with treatment for their mental health condition. And very importantly, right, we need to find out what are the resources that they can tap on, family members, friends, community partners. And I do ask my patients this as well, what are their reasons to live? I think it's important that patients are able to tell me that because I take that as a more important factor to consider. Patients who tells me that they don't have a reason to live, uh, I take it more seriously than patients who tell me, reasons that they want to die, if you know what I mean.
0: Mm, okay, so there's a difference between cases where you actually carefully plan for and those which are more impulsive, I guess? I think
1: research have shown that actually many of the suicides that happen throughout the world, not just in Singapore, are impulsive in nature. I think there are studies to show that actually the people attempting suicide, the thought actually comes into their head 5 minutes, 10 minutes before they actually do it. So many of the attempts are impulsive. Certainly, we have got patients who actually plan their suicide. We read in the news about patients who write suicide notes, we write goodbye letters, they plan their suicide for some time, they may go around collecting pills to overdose on. So there are two different categories as well when we want to look at suicide broadly. So the patients that we see are patients who have attempted suicide. We do ask them question about when did you have the thought of doing it today? and invariably they will tell us that it is within the same day. Something happened to them that day, it triggers them and they would want to do it that day. I mean overseas studies, Like we don't have a similar study in Singapore but they have done studies before they they actually interview survivors of near-lethal suicide attempts. They will actually ask them what's the time taken between them deciding to take action on their suicide and then actually taking action. 90% 90% of them is less than eight hours. I think this is really important for us to know because then the kind of help that we can mobilize for them is a bit different. We need people mm-hmm. around them, people who can
0: get to them quickly and that means involving family members and friends. Mm, interesting. So what are some of the things that people can do then to help their loved ones who have suicidal thoughts? You were saying that this is important, right, to know that you know a lot of the cases are impulsive but if these are impulsive acts where right, they only make the decision quite soon before they actually want to attempt it? I mean, how can we actually help them? Because we don't even know that they are going to do it, right?
1: So it is important then for family members and friends actually to keep a lookout for each other to fall. Notice the difference, like, when people talk about wanting to die or to kill themselves, It's not just for attention seeking purposes. I think a lot of times they may mean what they say. People talk about being hopeless. People talking about having no purpose in life, being trapped in this world, being in unbearable pain. I think we do have to take them seriously and not quickly dismiss them as just attention seeking. We always tell patients themselves and also family members, anything that can increase the impulsivity actually should be addressed. For example, they should avoid the use of alcohol and drugs. I think those are really well known to increase people's impulsivity. Mental conditions like depression needs to be treated because one of the hallmarks of depression is that patients may have more impulsivity, they may have a worsened judgment and that's a really bad combination. I think to notice changes in the loved one's lives, for example a person who was previously very bubbly now sitting at home, locked himself in a room or herself in a room and not coming out or talking about wanting to seek revenge, showing a lot of extreme mood swings. I think these are what family members need to watch out for. I remember seeing a case not too long ago that unfortunately, the friends actually alerted the family. They noticed that their friend was actually starting to post certain very, very bleak messages, goodbye messages on the various WhatsApp group. The social media posts, Instagram also start to become very, very negative. The statuses on Facebook also start to change to sort of co-note that they are saying goodbye. So I think the friends actually took notice of this, knows that their friend is suffering, alerted the family, who actually managed to catch the patient just before she overdosed. I think this is really one life safe, you see. So I think keeping a lookout for one another, I can't overemphasize the importance of it.
0: Right. Dr, we all know that suicide is an extremely complex issue, right? Can you tell us, you know, a little bit of why this is so? Does it have to do with genes as well?
1: Hmm. So suicide is, like you say, a really, really complex issue and it's really not just one cause for it. I think genetic does play a part. I mean, we know that because when we assess patients with suicidality, we often ask whether there's a family history or completed suicide because having that actually increases the risk factor of the person. I think it's a combination of genetics, it's a combination of other biological factors, a combination of illness factor, personality, as well as the environment. For example, when we see patients who tell us that they are abusing alcohol, abusing drugs, we know that they have an elevated suicide risk. Now We know that patients with serious mental health illnesses like depression, schizophrenia, they also have an elevated risk and that's why treatment is important. And treatment needs to be sustained as well. And we are also aware that sometimes in some cases where we do a little bit more assessment investigation, we know that a lot of times the suicide attempts, many of them actually do not have a mental illness. They are suffering from a mental health distress because of some stressors in life. For example, not too long ago, we have seen a lady who lost her husband. The husband died suddenly of a heart attack. And what happens after that was that she herself was really determined to join the husband that she was married to for 30, 40 years. So the patient was suffering from grief. But yet, I think that she was really a high risk of suicide herself.
0: Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to The Straits Times Health Check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Now, back to our conversation with Dr. Jared Ng. He's a consultant with the Emergency Services at the Institute of Mental Health. Is there anything else that you know people actually are not aware of maybe or they actually make some mistakes in such cases? You know, they should have taken note of something, but they don't?
1: I mean, it is important that illnesses are treated. I mean, we, we know the risk factors of suicide. SOS has released their numbers this year, and we know that youth suicide mm. is on the rise. Mm. Uh, high numbers. are I think the other group that we're always very concerned about would be the elderly. I think the risk factors are a little bit different. For the young persons, they tend to be impulsive. They tend to have difficulties coping with certain difficult things in their life. For example, relationship problems, stress from from school, from home, from VGR problems. But whereas the elderly, their stressors are a little bit different. Things like becoming alone, losing their spouse, having a chronic illness, having a painful illness, those tend to be the risk factors that we look out for. I think these are things that we need to bear in mind. I think it's important for family members not to be dismissive whenever... Your loved one tells you certain things. Don't be so quick to say that uh, there's nothing wrong, you'll be okay, you just have to be positive. I think this is the most difficult thing for them to do to be positive. I think a lot of times, even for ourselves, when we talk to friends, we are very inclined to tell them that the worst will be over, uh, it's okay, everything will be okay. But for the persons who are actually laboring under the symptoms of depression, for example, it is really very difficult for them to see how things can be positive. You see. To them, things are very hopeless. And I think we shouldn't be so quick to judge, that. We should always be kind to them and keep a lookout for them.
0: Doctor, if we are actually facing somebody who have suicidal thoughts, right? You know what can we say to them? Earlier you mentioned that you know people tend to tell them, okay, think positive, things are okay, but it doesn't work, right? So what are some of the things we can actually say immediately to help them?
1: I think we have to be very, very open with patients who are expressing suicidal thoughts. I think for the fact that someone is willing to come up to you to tell you that they have thoughts about wanting to end their life, means that there is already a certain level of trust. So that's why it's really important not to brush off the person's words and say that, and just dismiss it by saying something superficial, like everything is okay, you just need to be positive. I think we would want to see how we can help the person. I think words like, uh, how can we help you? Is there anything we can do for you? Is there someone that we can call? Is there some place that we can bring you that's safe? I think it is important not to leave them alone. I think if you know that your friend comes up to you and tell you that they have suicidal thoughts and are thinking of doing something, please don't leave them alone. Please alert somebody. I mean, with their permission. I think trust is important. So with their permission, tell somebody. There are hotlines to call. There is the SOS hotline. RMH does have a hotline. I think recently they just launched a Mindline as one well, which is an online thing. I mean, all these are places where they can get information of how to get help. And it's important to reach out if a person can't cope. It is important to share as well. If, let's say, my, you know, your friend comes and tells you that I'm going to do something tonight, I think it's important that you inform someone, a family members, for example. Because I think saving a life is crucial.
0: So what can we do to help someone who's acutely suicidal?
1: Um, one thing which sometimes families are not keen to do is to admit them to hospital. We try to manage our cases in our community as far as possible. We enlist the help of family members, even the extended family. We enlist the help of community partners to see how we can support the person going through this mental health stress. But sometimes when the risk is way too high, when we talk to everybody concerned, we don't have a safety plan and we think that the risk of suicide is imminent, we will consider admission to a hospital because the hospital is a safe place. No one wants to go to a hospital, we know that, but the hospital is a safe place where the patients will be watched over by a team of nurses, social workers, case managers, doctors, you who can work together to help solve the problem. I think sometimes for patients who are suffering from a mental health problem, they feel that life is hopeless, they feel that everything is very, very bleak. They may not be able to see the other mm-hmm. side, that actually their problems are quite solvable. And then when we put our head together, together with the patient and family members, we come up with a plan to help them to prioritize their issues and then go about how to overcome them one at a time. At the same time, if they do have a mental illness in the background or the foreground that's affecting them adversely, that's when we talk about treatment. We talk about collaborating with family members to properly treat a mental health distress. And many of them do recover. Many of them do get better. And I tend to ask them at that time. When they come and see me in the clinic, I ask them, actually, three months ago, you wanted to end your life. Can you tell me what you think about that? When Now that you're better, when you look back, not in the same words, but they usually describe at the time, they feel as though there is a grey cloud just clouding everything. Everything just seems very bleak. Everything just seems very hopeless at that time and they didn't know how they could solve the problem. But then when their condition is treated, when they start to receive therapy, they, they could describe how this grey cloud just goes away and suddenly things are more clear. So I think this is really a testament to the effectiveness of treatment. And treatment, I don't just mean medicine. I think people always think that we want to give medicine. That's not the case. I think treatment is very holistic. I think it involves also therapy. It involves involving the family as well. So it is this entire aspect, treating the patients as a whole.
0: Thanks for the very helpful tips, Dr. Ng.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, that's a wrap for Health Check. That was Dr. Jared Ng, an emergency services doctor from the Institute of Mental Health. If you're struggling with suicidal thoughts or think that someone you know may be at risk of suicide or is contemplating suicide, please reach out for help. You can call the 24-hour hotline at SOS at 1-800-221-4444. This is the Straits Times Podcast and I'm Joy Steele. Thank you for listening. That was an SBH podcast by the Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcastsbh.com.sg. At you can also check out more podcasts on various topics at the Straits Times and the Business Times online.